everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Marlin's Corner. I am Marlin, and welcome. Uh, so glad to have you back with us for this week. We're going to be going over a sci-fi film and talking about uh, a, a trailer or two as we wrap up this week. So let's dive right in. This week's film is called Big Bug. It is directed by Jean-Pierre Jeannot. He is mostly known and, you know, famous for films like Amelie, Aliens Resurrection, The City of Lost Children, and Delicatessen. Now, the cast of Big Bug is Isabel Nanti, Elsa Zyblostein, Claudia Perron, Stéphane de Groot, and Yusuf Hajidi, just to name a few of the cast members. Uh, and as you can guess from everyone's name, this is a French film, so be prepared for subtitles. Now, a way I would describe this film, and as it's also, you know, thankfully written down, is that it is a sci-fi-esque comedy. And, it, you know, the, the director, Jean-Pierre, also mentions that it combines uh, certain aspects of his films, Delicatessen and The City of Lost Children. If you haven't seen Delicatessen, it is a post-apocalyptic dark comedy that is centered around a single uh, tenant apartment where the landlord is really into some messed up things and happens to be feeding his tenants uh, very interesting meals. So if you want to check that out, it's a 1991 dark comedy. Uh, it is very interesting and very uh, bizarre. Uh, and The City of um, Lost Children is a sci-fi drama that centers around scientists discovering that through stealing dreams of children you can have eternal youth. So those are the two films he used, he's, he's mentioned that he's pulled from and, and certain ideas. So that's where we're going into this film. Knowing this film definitely has dark comedy elements. Um, it, it, it uses absurdity to uh, reflect on man's obsession with AI, as well as uh, our dependence on technology. It also, you know, dives into the, the very sci-fi trope of AIs and do they have souls? Can they develop souls? So it's very much, you know, Nothing too groundbreaking, but things we're familiar with. What I do think I like about this film overall is that it does take place in one singular location. One home is the entire setting uh, and backdrop. Referred to as Maison Sun, uh, the entire movie is shot with characters interacting with the same environment for the duration of the film. It's it, They go from upstairs to downstairs, the living room. So you just kind of get all these similar shots. So it's, it, you know, it, you're, you're not really traveling too far from where they are. Uh, it's also, you know, chock full of similar camera work that we've seen in Amelie. You know, it has those extreme close-ups on the faces for, you know, bizarre moments, bizarre looks, questionable hairdo choices. It also, you know, has wonderful wide shots to show off how colorful everything is because in this film, everything is very neon, very bright. It pops out from outfits to decor. It is a pop of color galore. So definitely check it out. It also definitely at times reminded me of the uh, Disney film uh, Smart House. Haven't seen Smart House. It's a very, I wouldn't say it's as similar, but it definitely reminds me of aspects of Smart House of uh, the central housekeeper character 
who is, you know, who wants to be really involved with the family, oversteps our boundaries to the point of like being very aggressive, but, you know, in their own like, hey, I'm being nice type way. So it definitely will give you smart house vibes as you check it out. And what's really cool about this film is that this is uh, Jean-Pierre's first feature-length film uh, in about a decade or so. He's done other smaller projects, you know, shorter films, but this is his first, you know, full-length film. Um, in an interview with the New York Times, he, you know, commented on like, hey, I couldn't get this made in France, but, you know, Netflix was, was there for me. You know, he went on to quote, in France, when you have something original, you're fucked. It was the case with Delicatessen, the same for Amelie. It was too weird, too quirky, as you say in English. With Netflix, it was kind of a dream. They wrote me and said, do you have something? And I said, yes, I have a film, but in France, nobody likes it. You won't like it. They told me, send it. 24 hours later, it was greenlighted. And I think that's amazing. I think it's, uh, it's, I think the pro side of the list of pros and cons with Netflix and how they like to grab everything. It's great that as a director, he was having a hard time getting this very bizarre film made. And Netflix was like, yo, we'll put it on our stuff. We'll do it. You know, and he went on saying that, yo, like, I like working with the streaming service because with regular theater releases, if it doesn't do well in that first week, less theaters will start playing it. So it has to do well so they continue to play in theaters. If it doesn't perform well, it starts disappearing. So at least with stream culture, if 1% of Netflix's 220 million or bajillion people watch it, that 1% is still a lot of eyes watching my film. So way to go, Netflix. You got Jean-Pierre's stamp of approval. Now, to step into some spoilers as we talk about you know the film itself, it is a very wild film. It has many interesting threads that are throughout the film. And with all those threads, it can absolutely feel overwhelming at times. So definitely know going into there's going to be a lot of moving pieces trying to like latch on to. When we do meet our characters, they all convene, of course, into one central location, which is one house. We meet the divorce couple, Alice and Victor, and we also get to meet their daughter, Nina. We do meet their new partners. Uh, Jennifer is with Victor and Max is with Alice. Uh, and we also get a chance to meet the nosy neighbor, Francois. Uh, she also has to come into the home because script choices. Uh, we get to meet the robots as well. We get to meet Monique, who is the housekeeper. She has like she has like the cool, like, bob cut, white hair, blue eyes. Uh, we also meet Robot Einstein, who is a, a spider head creature. He it's a full head on some spider legs. It's very creepy, but that's who he is. And we meet, of course, Igor and, like, a little baby robot character who are just kind of there. They, they have lines of dialogue, but we're mostly focused, of course, on the robots, our robot Einstein and Monique. And our last robot character we meet later on is the top-of-the-line, like, RoboCop-like android named Yonix. So these are the three robots that we kind of, like, fully dive in and get to, like, fully know throughout. And so, yeah, this is a lot of characters in one location. And that's where we're starting. That's the first chapter of this film. And of course, within that first chapter, you know, it very, it plays on a lot of like, you know, tropes of a divorce couple and like a comedy drama as film. Victor shows up with his new girlfriend slash fiance. And of course he brings the daughter and he shows up to Alice. He shows up to his home uh, because script reasons. And Alice also happens to be entertaining her new boo thing and their son. And so, you know, they have the typical like Snyder marks to one another. And of course, Victor's dating his secretary. So there's a lot of like, you know, 
comedy tropes about the divorce couple, you know, they're going through it. And then the neighbor happens to show up because, you know, she wants to look for it. She wants to borrow a, some kind of household tool. And while they're having that interaction, the house locks them in. Now, the robots of the home uh, have all been communicating and it's hinted that it might be across uh, the internet. So it isn't just like them in one space. It might be them in other homes as well. Uh, and they've all discovered that, um, hey, something's going to happen today and being outside is dangerous. And as a precaution, they've decided to uh, protect the humans by locking them in the home. And of course, we're at this point in technology-wise, we're like, great, you know, we're doing smart homes so they can lock you in, they can mow the lawn, they can serve you food, but you can't leave because you're at the mercy of, uh, of, of the home. And as a result, the guests of the home are very upset uh, and they're going to fail and they're, they're going to pretty much spend the rest of the film trying to discover ways to escape how to get outside again and that's pretty much what you know their entire focal point is as they're having these discussions on escape we do get these very interesting snippets of this very specific reality tv show in the reality tv show we see the new robot character yonix as he's interacting with these humans and putting them through embarrassing reality TV like moments. He's having them pretend to be bulls and he's a conquistador. Uh, he's, he's having them pretend uh, to, to dig for things in the mud and be half naked and be gross looking. And it plays a bunch of times. And in the beginning, it's more or less like, oh, this is silly. I can't believe humans would do that. But as they're further locked in and their, and their perspective of robots is changing, they start seeing the more darker quality to this reality TV show of like, why are they on this? Are they getting paid? What's the point of the show? Who is this for? And it's really creepy and it's really great to kind of watch them go through the, the motions of that, of like, oof, we went from being like, this is a goofy show to like, we don't want to see this anymore. And they always cut it off quickly because it gets too real for them. And while they're having these discussions around, hey, are, are robots going too far? Meanwhile, in the basement, the robots of the house are having a very like ghost in the shell conversation regarding souls and humanity. And can we be more human? And is it possible by learning to be around humans more that we can embody what they're feeling? And they go through this motion throughout the entire film, trying to latch on to what it's like to have a soul. And that, of course, is, again, a tropey know that AIs have, whether you're watching Ghost and Shell or Blade Runner. Now, by the third act, the characters have argued and slept with one another. Uh, and we got to we got to up it. We got to increase the drama of this film. So. After they try to set off the smoke detectors by starting a small fire, Yonix shows up. Yonix is a character that we see on TV. He looks very aggressive. He has like a RoboCop body. He has these real bright blue eyes, super big white teeth, really unnerving, just really creepy looking character. He shows up at the house because while they were arguing about how to get out, Jennifer, one of the characters, ends up emailing or sending out some kind of old school uh, email to the Yonks Corporation of like, hey, we need help because she still believes that, hey, robots are smart. We made them. They're going to help us. Let me send that out there. And Yannick shows up and he puts them on double house arrest. And now this house arrest, he's in charge of. And he goes through the home and he's giving them citations. Uh, and he's giving them, hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take money from your account. Ultimately, 
freezing their account because they, he's given them so many citations. And we discover that in this particular future, you know, they can't have books. And the character Alice loves physical books. She loves calligraphy. She loves using her hands to make things. And at this point, all the books she has happens to be illegal to own under some Yonix law. And so he starts burning all the books in the home and just really making things worse. And the robots, at the, the in-house robots at this point are like, we got to figure out how to protect our humans from this other individual because now the danger is in the home. And we find out that the Yonix is the danger that's happening worldwide. We discover that the Yonix is out there causing a whole lot of drama causing a whole lot of uh, harm to people. And now that he's in the home, he's just on top of them. He has heat vision. He has thermal vision. He can see through. He's just a full-on robot who can do whatever needs to be done at that point in time. And while they're in there, the home is increasingly getting hotter. Uh, and they decide to ask the Yonix, hey, since you've locked our account, you're in charge of everything, can you turn on this AC? And now we get a chance to see how this reality TV show aspect comes into play. Yonix tells them, I can turn on the AC for you right now, but you have to be on the reality TV show. And at first you're thinking, okay, like, are these people going to a separate location? But then you discover that through the power of technology, he turns the home into this kind of uh, circus arena. And he has the home camera load up the website and he tells them, great, you're all going to be circus animals. I'm going to record you. And they began this really embarrassing show of pretending to be a lion, pretending to be a seal, uh, all for the sake of comfort. And you get this real slow motion shot of this moment to go through uh, this act. And it's really embarrassing. There's a lot of like slow motion, a lot of panning into their faces. And you can see them going through oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. This is so embarrassing. This is just mortifying. And it just, it's such a real deep and powerful scene. Really goofy, really cringy. But I mean, the end of the day, the question is, would you do it for comfort? And the answer would probably be, yeah. Now, thankfully, towards the end of the film, with the help of the house robots, they are able to defeat this Yonix creature and escape outside. And <laughs> once they get outside, things get even weirder. Uh, the divorce couples, both their partners decide to leave them and link up. And now they leave together because they're going to be partners. And they leave the divorce couple behind. And the other... Yonix robots all show up and there's this huge kerfuffle and then all the Yonix get executed because we find out that as smart as they were, they ultimately were made by humans and because humans themselves are fallible, it would make sense that these robots would also be fallible. So while they were going through this, we get this uh, security camera of a Yonix uh, agent at this station going through the protocol list and he accidentally clicks on Yonix as exterminate. And so the Yonix end up exterminating themselves because script reasons. It's very silly, very goofy, but that's where the film ends. The film ends with 
things relatively going back to normal. We don't really get this whole big moment of like, we got to stop using robots. No, it just ends with like, great, we were lucky. And uh, hey, now we're, we're, we're together. We're going to try this relationship all over again, you know? The end. And like I said, it's a strange film. And if you're down to watch it, hey, check it out. Uh, Bring a friend. If you want to eat an edible and watch it, hey, it's going to be really enjoyable. There are a ton of colors. It is very colorful and it is entertaining. It's French, it's entertaining. Be prepared for it. You might have a good time with it. I do give it a 7 out of 10, so it is a fun watch, but it might not be for everyone. All right, now we're on to trailers. Now, recently, Disney Plus decided to release that they are doing a Rescue Rangers reboot film. If you haven't seen it, uh, it is quite interesting. It's if you don't if you don't know, if you don't know the Rescue Rangers, they are uh, Chip and Dale. They are two. <laughs> There are two chipmunks uh, who are detectives and they go off and they solve crimes because no crime is too small for these for these two characters. And they're going to go in there and they're going to solve crime. In this reboot, we, we see that uh, not only are they going to bring it back, but they're going to bring back two, <laughs> two interesting voice actors. We're going to have John Mulaney and Andy Samberg as uh, Chippendale. And mind you, if it was going to be a straight cartoon, uh, I mean, I think it'd be fine. I mean, we've, we've seen it work with DuckTales. DuckTales got a remake. They did a cartoon. It had a lot of seasons. People enjoyed it. So, hey, good job. What makes this weird is that it's shot in live action, CG, and a cartoon. The two characters... Are two different are two different types of cartoons. You have uh, Chip, who looks like he is a cartoon still, but Dale has decided to do to undergo what he calls CGI surgery. So he is a CGI character, and they are still the same size. The trailer looks absolutely bonkers. Um, you can see that 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 they want to get really meta with this. They want to like talk about different reboots and variation of things, but it just looks so weird that it's all slapped together in this really abstract way. There's a certain point where they have like a Seth Rogen character who they're, they're trying to call out the days where we had CGI characters that didn't really know where to look and just kind of look off screen, uh, which is a fun, it's fun. Like it's, it's, it's played for joke, which is, it's a played for a joke, which is okay. But as far as me paying for this film, this looks absolutely terrible. I'm sure there's, well intentions in mind. I'm sure they really want to like, you know, take this to the future and like really make it awesome. But I don't know who this is for, quite frankly. And, and, and they go on to say it's not, it's a comeback, not a reboot, but this is clearly a reboot. You're continuing something that has already happened. This is a reboot. And I don't know if there's an audience for this exactly. Like, if you were fully going to go in and decide, hey, we're going to do the the, Ch the Chippendale TV show series over again, similar again to Ducktales, I think there is room and space to do that in. But to do this film, it looks like a cash grab, and it feels like a cash grab. So I'm going to say it is a cash grab. And also, I feel like there. Are there's a certain audience that this will probably resonate with. There used to be a time where direct-to-VHS or direct-to-DVD films through Disney 
meant that this wasn't good enough to be in theaters. So we're just going to put it right in the in the little bin at your local Walmart. This feels like this would be in that bin. This feels like this shouldn't be a direct-to-DVD release. You know, this is not going to theaters. This is going in a little box. You can pick it up and you can watch it and check it out. You can chuck it back in your in your little drawer. This doesn't seem like it would do well in theaters. And I think, and I think the sheer fact that this is being released on Disney Plus is a testament to that. I feel like if Disney fully was like, this is going to be the new hotness, this would have 100% been in theaters. But even they are fully aware that, you know what? This, this 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 whole thing is is too risky. We're, we're, we're gonna put this right to release on streaming services. We'll see how it goes. And yo, know, I don't think it's gonna do well. Disney, you gotta do better. You gotta do better. It's one thing to do like tongue in cheek, but this is just this is too much. Like, no, thank you. No one wants this. And lastly, we have. Let me holler at Kevin Feige real quick. Kevin, I know you're on this press tour. From Moon Knight. And Moon Knight is a show that's going to be released on Disney+. Plus. Moon Knight is going to be one of their new Marvel MCU characters. Uh, Moon Knight, as a comic book character, is very violent. Very Punisher adjacent. He isn't, you know, it's, yeah, it's, he, he, he isn't a G-rated Superman character. He is going to hurt someone or kill someone. And... I think we talked about this on Geek Force of like, how are you going to translate this specific character to a Disney Plus platform? What makes it worse is that Kevin Feige keeps going on these press tours and saying it's gonna be raw and it's gonna be violent and it's gonna it's gonna change the thing. And like, I'm not a prude. I you know I I think violence is fine and it, you know it, if it serves the purpose of the film. Like I I love the Punisher. I loved it. I loved uh, Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. Like I. Those were my favorite shows on Netflix. But again, we're on Disney+. Plus. Disney+, Plus, the same platform that pulled Love, Simon because it's, quote, not family-friendly. That platform is going to say, we can't do Love, Simon, but we're going to do violence with Moon Knight. I don't think it's going to happen. Like, I truly don't think we're going to get a Punisher-esque show from this platform. Unless at the last minute, Disney Plus decides we're going to pivot this to Hulu, there is no way we're getting a violent show at all. I mean, even Falcon and Winter Soldier was cut. It was like all the fight scenes had major cuts. It was cut here, cut there. You throw a punch, cut. Other punch, cut. Like, it wasn't. it was nowhere near violent. So unless he means that type of violence, that's that's... This is a misnomer. This is false advertisement. We're not going to get violence. And if Disney Plus decides to do violence, they're going to be in a whole mess of trouble from like two different crowds. One crowd's going to be like, Disney Plus is supposed to be for families. And the other crowd's going to be like, didn't you move shows because they weren't family friendly? What's the line, Disney? So Disney, you've like, I don't know what you've been telling Kevin. Kevin is overselling this, but like someone's got to get this messaging under control because somebody's lying. Somebody's lying, y'all. Okay? But hey, hopefully we figure it out because it's going to be coming out soon. And I, I will still be checking it out. But I'm hoping that they decide to figure out how they're going to message this in a way that uh, isn't uh, overselling this. Because it, right now, it feels like, it feels like, it feels like they're, they're trying to oversell it. It feels like they're trying to oversell it to the point where like, hey, you'll like it. It's going to be cool. And it's like, hey, we are going to like it. Just don't lie to us and say it's going to be violent and full of blood when it's not. 
We don't need that. You can still make a show on Disney Plus that doesn't have that. But by you giving us this expectation of violence, gore, we're coming in with that expectation. And if it's like not there, you're going to be called out on it. And I feel like it's better for you to be honest and clear than unclear, you know? But hey, off my soapbox, we're going to wrap things up today. Thank you for being a part of Mullen's Corner this week. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you give us a rating on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. Shoot us a message on Marlon's Corner on Instagram and Facebook. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next time. We'll be back in the corner on Marlon's Corner. Bye. This episode of Marlin's Corner was produced in Richmond, California.